For BYU-Idaho Radio, I'm Chandler Guadagnin. I'm joined in the studio or via the phone today by Darren Scott, who is a writer, producer, director, and actor in the film The Oath, a story about Moroni. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Chandler. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So I had to rack my brain to remember all of your titles. And so as a man of of many hats, wearing many hats in this production, how was what was the process like of getting this all put together? Well, thankfully, <laughs> not all of those jobs occur simultaneously. And so you have a process in the production where you're writing and you're just neck deep in it. You're just immersed in the writing. And then by the time you get to set, the writing is primarily done. You, you will make sometimes changes on set, which in this case, there were many, but for the most part, the writing's kind of done, right? If you've really done your job and, 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 and refined the script, which is where it needs and must start for you to have any hope of, of, of a film turning out, you've got to start with a refined script. And so that part of it's kind of done. And then, and then it's the directing and acting that's kind of because the producing as well that primarily is happening before and during but the reality is you have other producers that are kind of taking that mantle during production just because it's too much right like i don't want to be doing you know uh, i I don't want to be securing locations or you know deciding what we're going to eat for lunch you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. so those things are outsourced and by the time you get on set it's more now it's directing and acting and and so those do happen at the same time. But any actor knows who's got any experience in the business that you get into this, you just know when you when you hit a scene and, and you know when you get it. And you, you just learn, and in this case, um, I just learned to listen to my my intuition and knowing when I got it because we actually didn't get to review a lot of the, the takes because we we filmed it in 21 days. So there just wasn't time for me to review everything. And so only occasionally would I do that. But most of the time it was like, I'd look at my director of photography, you know, you hire professionals and that you trust. And I would look at him and we, we give ourselves the eye and go, yeah, we got it. Good. Okay. Moving on. You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, lots of challenges. Uh, it was a Herculean effort, um, but very happy with how it turned out. Very happy. Yeah. That is awesome. So 21 days. It only took you 21 days of shooting, and, and I, I don't have very much experience in the film industry, but that sounds like a pretty quick turnaround. How long did it take you in all to get this movie out and ready to show? Well, we wrapped principal photography about two years ago. It just is amazing that it's that long ago, but it it it, it is uh, true. Um, August, let's see, September 2021. So we're just over a year, two years. Right. And you know, you you you, do, you wrap principal photography, and then there's always this kind of, did we get it? You <laughs> know, yeah. did we get everything? And most, this is why most movies. I'm talking about even perhaps especially sometimes big Hollywood budget films because they have budget 
to go out and reshoot everything, right? They'll do reshoots again and again. We didn't have that budget, right? So there was like this, dude, we get it all. And I sat down, and by the way, I edited it too, right? Because this is something that I'm proud of, that I did do everything. But, you know, anywhere where there was a skill that I knew that I had uh, and that hiring someone at or above my level would be a very high cost, I always took on took it on because I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save production budget there. I'm going to try to save investor money there. And so I edited it. So I sat down to edit the piece. And the first scene, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, we didn't get me, you know, fleeing through the forest. We never got that. So, you know, imagine the devastation of seeing down to edit and, you, and you, you're missing. So the first, we did do one, we did two, two reshoots, but one of them uh, was in uh, Northern Oregon coast. And, and that's the opening of the film. Besides that, uh, you know, glory to God, we didn't have to reshoot any of the principal cast on pretty much anything besides that. Um, so, you know, it took over a year to edit. The first cut was six months. And then um, this has been a really, really refining process. And really every film that gets to movie theaters generally goes through a similar rigorous, rigorous process where it's just refine, screen it for people, refine, screen it for people. And from the very get go, my filmmaking process has always been 100%. What does the audience think? I don't care what producers think. I don't care what other directors think. I don't care what other writers think. I care about what the audience thinks. Because those are the only people who are going to be buying tickets or not buying tickets. Right. And so we screened this for uh, probably probably over well over a thousand people over time, um, several thousand people uh, in the process of of refining the film. And and again, very happy with what we've got. We end up opening up Master Picture over a dozen times. Wow. Anyone in the business knows what that means. You have a master picture that's locked. You've scored the movie. And now you're going to go and edit it again. It's very costly. It's very it's a very arduous process. And not once did I shrink from what I felt that responsibility was. And the, the responsibility was to give people the very best, the most refined film we possibly could. And it required editing master picture. <laughs> so, right. Uh, but you, when you see the movie, you don't know any of that. All you know is you're seeing a, a, a movie with great pacing, uh, with a very refined, uh, focused story and message. And by the end of it, you've gone through a hero's journey, just like you would at any, you know, big major Hollywood film. And you're like, whoa. And, and, and you're, you've seen, you know, breathtaking cinematography that's just meant for the big screen. And you really feel like you have experienced something that is far worth your ticket. Um, so that we're very excited about. Yeah. And like I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, the title character, the main character is Moroni. And you took on the role of Moroni. Tell me what was it like to to portray a spiritual behemoth like that on screen? This is a great question. And, and, and first, just just let me say, because sometimes we always forget this. 
um, to let people know oathmovie.com. Oathmovie.com is where they can see the trailer. And I tell everybody, don't do me any favors. Go watch the trailer. And if it excites you, get your tickets now. Don't wait. Uh, so portraying Moroni, I didn't intend to cast myself in this film. I didn't intend to direct this film. Several offers were made to people far greater than myself. And ultimately it came down to a, a process of, you know, them not accepting our offers and us running out of time. And ultimately it happened exactly the way it was supposed to, because, you know, I have, I have like two and a half decades of studying the source material. There's no way that I could have found, especially someone in mainstream Hollywood, there's just no way that they could have had the depth of understanding of this character that I just had because I, I grew up reading these stories and studying the source material. I grew up with it, not just reading it, like actually studying, looking at the footnotes, you know, really getting in there. And so if you think of like, that makes sense. And I would have had to been explaining this again and again and again to an actor or a director, you know, now this is where we're at here. This is what's happening here. And it would have taken so much time. And so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've also portrayed Jesus on at least four occasions. And, you know, people ask me the same question, like, how is it, you know, you know, we really got to get out of our own way. We have this idea that, well, I can't portray that character because I'm not great like him. You know what? Moroni probably thought that about himself. In fact, he even said as much in the Book of Mormon. He says, I fear that the Gentiles will mock because of our weakness. Here's a man that you're saying this behemoth of a character, and he is pointing it back to God, and he's pointing to his own humility. He says, we're not strong in our writing we're strong in speaking and i think that they're going to mock us and what did the lord say fools mock but they shall mourn and my grace is sufficient and so we have to get out of our own way and say you know what um, there is something called the atonement at one mint with christ and he has paid the price and even though we are imperfect beings so is all who have walked this earth save the lord jesus christ only and you have to just let that kind of power of redemption through Christ work in you to portray these types of um, otherworldly, unearthly characters. And so uh, I, I channeled my knowledge from, from decades of, of, of study, my experience through uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, just kind of feeling these things. And you, all of that's channeled into a one moment in a scene. And, uh, so it was, it was, a, it was a challenge. It was, it was, it was a wonderful opportunity and it was a, a life changing experience just to, to be that uh, mighty man for a, f a few, few days on set. Yeah. So. Right. Let's dive into that a little bit more. I want to know, how did this whole process of getting the movie together, playing Moroni, how did that impact and strengthen your testimony? 
Well, I remember writing this film, which, by the way, this film isn't supposed to exist because it wasn't the script we originally written. We end up losing a, an angel investor a week before uh, he sent the most of the funds. He died of a heart attack. It was a shock to everyone. And we had to pivot very quickly and write this script. I wrote the script for the oath in two weeks and I hardly slept. It was again, rigorous, absolutely harrowing, rigorous to go through the process. But, Oh, the, just the joy and absolute, um, spiritual bath that, I was able to pass through in, in the writing of this and in the making of this, uh, is just incredible. It's, you, you can't help, but, you know, strengthen one's convictions, you know, because, you know, obviously most of the world does not believe in the authenticity of the book of Mormon. And I say, that's fine. You know, that doesn't hurt my faith. It's fine. In fact, if you want to see this movie as a fantasy, fine. That doesn't hurt me. It doesn't hurt all the other millions of people who actually believe this is authentic pre-Columbian history. But in the same sense, the my father um, passed away a week before my 17th birthday. And had I not come to know uh, the source material, the Book of Mormon, it saved my life because – it it drew me closer to God right before my father passed away. And had I not had that experience. And so I say, it's like, I can't deny that. Right. I can't sit here and say, well, yeah, you know, it's, it's not authentic. You know, some people find it. They want to think that, but I can only give you my experience. And my experience is that I, I put to test the very things that, you know, the, uh, um, He's not the author, obviously, the translator of the book, Joseph Smith, said he made this wildly outlandish claim that the Book of Mormon will bring you closer, draw you closer to God than by any other book, than by reading any other book. That is a crazy outlandish – you know what I'm saying? Like people, people like in mainstream Christianity, how dare you say that something – is even greater than the Bible. And you know, you knew you and I both know we love the Bible and, and, uh, and revere it. Um, but think about what that statement means that you'd be closer to God by reading any other book. And I put it to the test and, and, it, and to me, it saved my life because I was in a spiritual place when my father passed away at seventeen week before my 17th birthday month, sorry. Um, to be able to handle that harrowing and and life changing event. So all of this, of course, you know, I wish everyone could have this experience to strengthen their convictions in this way throughout this process. Because you really, when you think about portraying something from book to screen, you have to think about things you've never thought about. What would this look like? What would their clothes look like? How would they talk? Like there's just so much stuff when you're actually reading the book that you're not really thinking about. And a lot of depth and 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 um, meaning and effort has gone into everything that's been done in this film, including, you know, the, the creative 
informed creative liberties that were taken and, and were appropriate and necessary actually in in the making of this film because some people say well that's not exactly in the book or that's not exactly how it was and i go really how do you know because you know we don't know a lot about for, for example moroni's life of being alone for 20 years you know what was that like um, but number two is um if the book of mormon was portrayed word for word it would be rated r and so people have to be careful about what they are what they are asking you want it word for word, then you are going to have to be okay with a rated R film. And that's, and you know, to the most world, they're like, they're laughing, like, what are you talking about rated R? It's not a big deal. You know, but in our faith, that's a, that's a big deal. Like, well, you don't want it to be rated R. Well, okay, then you have to take prudent creative liberties in how that is portrayed. When you're talking about, you know, eating the flesh of the, the husbands and the, the sons eating the flesh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you take any, anything from the Book of Ether, right? That's Game of Thrones right there. So you have to, you have to, it's prudent to, to adapt things for screen. And in a sense of how Jesus taught us it, with parables, which are essentially made up stories, fictitious stories to portray or to, uh, to uh, emphasize a, a powerful principle of the gospel in a way that could not otherwise be as effective. And so we've done that too. We've introduced some fictitious characters, and of course, you know, testaments, which went in Joseph Smith Memorial. That that for decades, that whole thing was almost fictitious, except for Christ coming to America, of course. But the characters, most of them are fictitious. The storyline, there was even a little love story. It was cheesy, but ours isn't cheesy. Um, but you know, they had the same elements, and and everything's there to inst- to instruct through the, the art of storytelling. And, and introduce antagonistic characters that helps people who are not members of our faith to understand those things. That's how, that's how you, you help them understand them as you bring in characters they relate to. Oh, yeah. Anyway, long answer to that question. but No, that's great. I have just a fun editing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. I have uh, just two more questions for you. One, you mentioned, right, that if we, if we put this book to screen just as it's written, it would be rated R. And uh, in that way, uh, it is a bit sanitized, right? But it's still PG-13. Can you talk about uh, your editing process? What went into making this film? Because it, it's it's PG-13, so there's scenes in there, right, that are um, that can be portrayed a little bit more grotesquely, I guess, is what you would say. But can you talk me th- through that process? Yeah, so the, it's PG-13 for violent content that is the actual um, sub phrase that the mpa has required so the only reason it's pg-13 is for violent content there are some adult themes but everything again it's a very thought-provoking um deep meaningful film and it's it's harrowing it's gripping heart-wrenching and moving all at the same time every emotion is felt including occasional light humor is, is thrown in there, um, nothing cheesy, and it's it feels real. It feels authentic. And, you know, as far as what age group you can take, well, 13, right, PG-13, but, you know, everyone can judge, for, you know, the maturity level of their own children. I will tell you that what they will see on screen, there's not a terrible amount, even in the fight scenes where they're going to feel like they have to close their eyes. Is it is some of it going to possibly shock them a little bit? Maybe. 
but n- not in any way that they wouldn't have gotten just from reading the war chapters of the Book of Mormon. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, if they're actually portray- picturing that in their mind as they're reading it. Uh, but again, it's PG-13, so you have to know, like if you've seen Lord of the Rings, if you've seen the Marvel films, right? There's nothing in there that you're not going to see that you haven't already seen before. And even in the heavier parts of the film uh, that occur, it's shot in a way that, you know, a young kid wouldn't necessarily really know what's happening. And they might just be bored because they don't know what's happening. Right. But it's not, you know, there's nothing in this film that they're going to feel like they have to close their eyes. Yeah. There's, there's nothing. I say this without hesitation. There is absolutely nothing in this film that is, uh, in any way offensive to, uh, to the, ancient covenant people that this book movie is based on. And there's nothing morally questionable. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It is absolutely, you know, beautiful story that illustrates in a way that's not on the nose, right? It's like, it's, it's a story. So you're just watching the story, but the messages behind it are, are goodness and virtue and, righteousness and and courage right you know who doesn't want more of that in their lives more feelings of of uh, he- heroism and courage and, and against evil right and, and that we're facing today so yeah that's a little bit about the rating and and what they can expect there well, but thank- it's unlike anything they've ever seen yeah, well, thank you very much. Final question is, obviously, we want to know one last time, where can people go to get tickets? Where can they go to see the film? Uh, please go get your tickets at OathMovie.com. OathMovie.com. And uh, you can, uh, tickets are on sale. Most theaters are selling right now uh, for December 8th. And don't wait to get your tickets. Uh, get them now because theaters are really watching our theatrical sales. It's very important. Um, get, get groups, get big groups and go buy out at showtimes, uh, in order for us to, you know, we want as many people to see this film as possible. And in, or, in order for that to happen, uh, we have to fill the theater seats or the theaters will not want us, will not allow us to expand. And we've got people in Canada, we've got people in New Zealand, um, Ireland, uh, England, all over the world who are like, Hey, when is this going to come to us? And, and we're telling them, <laughs> We want to more than anything, believe believe us, we want to more than anything. The only way that we can do that in a theatrical environment, especially, is uh, if we sell out USA. If we can sell out USA and expand, that's the only way. So please go to OathMovie.com, watch the trailer. Again, don't do us any favors. Watch the trailer. If, you, if you're excited, get your tickets. All righty. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for your time, Andy. Have a great rest of the day.